Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today I'll be talking to Jamie Winters, who's also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as a senior primary therapist at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Today, Jamie and I are discussing retirement and why it can take a toll on people's mental health. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and find it helpful. All right, Jamie, thank you so much for being here. I know that I had wanted to talk about some senior-related topics for a while because when I was a therapist at Princeton House, I worked with the seniors for about, I would say about two years, and I absolutely loved it. Um, So I'm excited to be talking to you today. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do with the seniors, what we're talking about when we talk about the Senior Link Program, uh, that kind of thing. Sure. So I've been working with the senior population for roughly 10 years, give or take. You got me beat. So, what was that? You got me beat by about eight years. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> um, so I've been, like I said, working with them for 10 years and I love working with them. So what can consists of the Senior Link program is basically roughly anyone 60 and over um, and primarily like life issues. So maybe there's like a lot of medical stressors going on, The um, they're just entering retirement. So things like that can also play a role because I've had some 59 year olds and then we've also had some 65 year olds maybe that go into another program. Um, but that's roughly... Um, you know, what classifies them as older adults. Mm -hmm. If I were to ask them what classifies them as older adults, (laughs) Uh they always say the moment that they turn 60, they get about 10 new medications and about 10 new body aches and pains. Nice. They're so much fun. They're so interesting. I totally agree. That was my favorite part was just listening to them talk about their lives, you know, um, so you said that the youngest that usually comes in the program is like 59 that you've seen. What's the oldest? I'm just curious. I've had someone as old as 98. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He was he was great. Super interesting man. He was his big goal that he wanted to achieve was he wanted to go to California to visit his friend who was celebrating his 100th birthday. Wow, wow, that's awesome. So they knew the recipe for the Fountain of Youth. I don't yeah, know what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, What was it? Yeah, clue us in. I know. I wanted to ask him. <laughs> All right. Well, when we were talking about things to discuss on this podcast, I guess um, one thing that always stuck out to me when I was working with this population is that oftentimes we would see a large influx of people coming into the program immediately after retiring. And when I say immediately, I mean usually within the first year or two of retirement. So I guess I was thinking that maybe we could do something along the lines of what recommendations would you have from a mental health standpoint to make sure that, you know, you are mentally fit and your your mood and your emotional state stays good after you retire? Sure. I mean, it's 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 fascinating, right? I feel like we we use our whole working careers counting the days till we can retire. Mm hmm. And then retirement hits, and I don't think a a lot of people realize the big adjustment it is 
from, you know, you have your purpose every day. Yeah. You get up, you have your reason to shower, you're socializing, whether you like it or not, you know, with your bosses and your coworkers. Mm -hmm. It provides such a healthy network within itself that the moment that we retire, all of that's taken away. Yeah. You build up this whole career for yourself and almost an identity within that as like the working person is, you know, especially for that generation, mm -hmm. if you're the male and that was your, you know, you were the breadwinner, you know, that that's a hard transition to make. Yeah, of course. And, you know, actually, as I'm thinking about it, I would imagine that a lot of this conversation is probably going to apply to maybe people who haven't retired but are forced out of work for some reason or they have some kind of an ailment or a medical issue and now they're on permanent disability. Um, but it sounds like a lot of those themes are going to be kind of the same, like that loss of identity, the loss of sort of the social structure that just work provides in general. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you're grieving. You're grieving... Right you know, a whole loss of identity and purpose and structure. It's totally the same process as if you were losing a loved one, you know, to a different degree, obviously, for your heart. But a lot of the emotions and the levels of grief that you experience can be very much similar. And there's as we know with older adults, there's a lot of grief in general, mm -hmm. and then you throw in retirement, and that just is kind of almost the starting cap of these years that are supposed to be golden, and they're filled with like a lot of loss and transition, and that can be rough. Yeah. Can you just talk about how grief is similar when you retire to when you're losing a loved one? I mean, I know usually we have a tendency to think of grief as something that happens when someone we love passes away, but it almost sounds like you're talking about grief right now as more of like grieving the loss of like an identity or a role that you, that you fulfill. Well, I think when I think of loss, especially with the seniors, it's really morphed my, my lens of how I look at grief. Cause mm -hmm. not only you know, our first line of thinking is always a loved one when we think of loss, but they're experiencing it in mobility, maybe their ability to drive or move, eyesight, hearing, and then retirement. So typically when we talk in group about loss, we talk about like our life's puzzle has just been like thrown up in the air and now it's totally jambled. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have, we don't know what pieces fit where anymore. It's trying to reconnect to ourselves and think about like what now with life. And, and if we think about when we lose a loved one, it's okay. Well, I don't have this person in my life anymore. How do I still kind of get the feeling that I got from them? maybe in somebody else or in another way because it's not going to look the same mm -hmm. and that's kind of similar to work you know you take that big piece of your life out and it's okay well how do i get what i got from work now in a different way like what's going to fill that need and that role how is my life going to look like now and it's still going to look different and i could have some of the same feelings and it I'll have to get those in a different way now. Mm -hmm. So, and like those kind of more broad terms, 
I always equate it to being very similar, especially if you're booted from work. And that might be a harsh word, but like strongly encouraged to retire, (laughs) you know, then you're, you're like bargaining with yourself. You're angry. You have the depression, you know, and then you come to some acceptance, you know, so you'll go through a lot of the same ideals that you do when you when you lose a loved one again you know maybe our heart feels it to different levels because you know I I won't equate losing a job to the same as losing a loved one and again the the feelings can be similar just maybe at different levels yeah well I think it's um it's definitely different but the process is kind of the same I think is what you're saying yeah, you still have to f- figure out a way to reconnect to life and rebuild the blocks that you have already set out in front of you. So I think a large part of this is going to revolve around trying to figure out what pieces kind of got taken away when you retired and then finding other things to kind of fill those in. Um, yeah. So like when you think about this, what are those pieces that are sort of getting taken away? I know we hit on this a little bit at the beginning, but do you just want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So I think one important thing is like a structure, Mm -hmm. you know, work gets us up in the morning, work gets us showering in the morning and changing our clothes and usually eating breakfast and lunch. You know, Mm -hmm. it, it gives us a structure to our day. We get out of the house. We're not looking at the same four walls. We're meeting different people or maybe even the same people, but we're still having that social connectedness. Right. So work is definitely an easy way to have structure in your life. And you take that away. And it's so important to work to develop some kind of structure for yourself. You know, I I like to see the day in like three different parts, like, you know, what's your thing that's getting you up in the morning? So kind of like your morning structure, Mm -hmm. then kind of maybe what what's some excitement in the afternoon? So maybe like going out for a walk or maybe you look into a volunteer job or maybe you play like backgammon with the with the gals or the guys once uh-huh. a week and then i don't know why i picked backgammon hey, but it came whatever floats your boat jamie <laughs> bridge whatever you play <laughs> and then like the evening you know what are you doing for dinner what's do you like to watch jeopardy every night you know do you relax by reading your book before you go to bed you know having Something at each one of those key parts of the day, I think, can really help it feel not like you have a job anymore, but at least that you still have like that purpose, Mm -hmm. like that reasoning to get up and get out of bed. So I was just going to ask you, like, I think that's a really great idea, but I guess I'm wondering if you can sort of elaborate a little bit more on why structure is so important or like if you find that you're lacking structure at some point, what consequence could that have on your mental health? Like, how do you see that process kind of work in the people that you work with? So I don't know if you've ever heard of the saying, idle hands are the devil's plaything." Sure. 
So that's very true for everybody. Mm-hmm. If we sit and we have too much idle time, we tend to then become more internally preoccupied and internally focused with our thoughts. So, you know, that thing that you said in like 1995 that you weren't the proudest of, you start like thinking about it and overanalyzing it. Mm. And then maybe you, you start to think more about like fears or concerns that you have for other people and they start to just like manifest and get bigger because you're not doing anything. So you're just sitting and you have all this time to think. And I believe as human beings, our baseline can tend to fall on the not so healthiest of thinking. You know, I think it takes a lot of effort to challenge it and stay more on like the rosy positive side of it Uh, you know I think it's just human to have negative thoughts and the more that we're structured the more it keeps us out of our heads and helps challenge our feelings and helps challenge kind of some of our beliefs about the world and what's going on so it's good to stay active and stay busy it's almost like this idea that if you're if you're staying still your mind has a tendency to wander or maybe get stuck in a place that's not so healthy maybe even scary or depressed because you don't have anything else kind of keeping you occupied yes and then you know especially if you just retired you might start thinking about you know how that purpose is gone you're you you know what's the point what am I supposed to do with myself now I had this whole career you know it can just lead to like a real big rabbit hole of negative thinking um Mm -hmm. you know you start questioning what do you do so structure is really really important it's so healthy for us to feel like we have something to do and something that we're contributing to. Yeah, I totally agree. And I can also see how that thought process could kind of cut two ways, like more toward an anxious way of thinking and also more toward a depressed way of thinking, right? Because if you have idle hands, like you said, you're more in your head, you might be thinking more about like, for example, COVID right now, or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe a relative that you have that's not doing so well or something like that. And obviously that's going to make you feel anxious. And then at the same time, you know, if you're ruminating more about that thing that you said in 1995, like you said, that wasn't the best or that you had regrets about, you know, you could also be looking kind of back on your life like that and fall more into a depressed state of mind. Yeah. Structure keeps us in the present moment which, you know, we talk a lot about this idea of like mindfulness and how that helps fight off all that negative thinking. And it, and there's really a point to it. Like when we're doing stuff, we don't have time to think about the what ifs of the future and the regrets or self-pitying of the past. You know, we're able to stay more in the moment and make the best of the time that we have right now. Again, like trying to find something each day in one of those three parts of the day that gets us up and gets us engaged. So important. Actually, I really like what you just said about structure, keeping us in the moment, keeping us kind of mindful. And, you know, it makes sense. I guess I just never really thought about it before. But if you're keeping yourself occupied, then you're going to be thinking about whatever it is that you're doing, hopefully. 
Right. And, you know, it gives us a zest for life again. You know, a part of grief uh, is like transitions and we're always making transitions. You know, we graduate high school and then we're in college and then we're mourning college and we're working and then we stop working and maybe we have families and that, you know, like there's always these transitions in our, in our life. And during each of those transitions, we have like a new zest, new something to look forward to. Right. So it's kind of trying to figure out how to bring that zest to those later years and that, and those golden years for us. Makes sense. All right, thanks so much for listening to the episode. Tune in next week when Jamie and I will continue our conversation and talk a little bit more about how people can go about building mental health resiliency in retirement. Hope everyone has a great week.